good morning or good afternoon. We, we never know when you're watching this. So, so <laughs> whatever you're match, uh, watching this, good. And uh, you fill in the blank. Uh, but it's good to see you all and be with, uh, uh, with uh, Josh and Mara again and have a conversation. We, we didn't have a conversation last week because uh, uh, Mara was out of town. And, and next week, Josh will be out of town. We'll probably try to have one. Maybe, maybe we will, maybe we won't. We'll, we'll, we'll see how, how the cards uh, play themselves. Just had a great time together Sunday morning. It was, it was really good wow. to see everybody's face and just have a, a time of uh, celebration and worship again together. It's been too long and we had a great time. I know I did and it was good to have people in the sanctuary again. I would say this that um, probably first service if, if you're wondering we were probably about 70 to 80 percent of, of what we could comfortably have in there with the way it's set up uh, to um, account for the COVID-19 concerns. And so you, you could probably put a few more people in there, but not a lot. I mean, we, we were getting pretty close to capacity of how we're set up. And we're, we're trying to say about uh, less than one third of the seating capacity for, for, that, for that room. Um, second service, not so much. It was probably closer to 30% of capacity, maybe 25% which is fine, uh, you know, the, it's not about the numbers, but, but if you are concerned and, and you would perhaps like to be in a, a sanctuary that maybe is not as full, uh, I, I'd suggest maybe trying the 11 o'clock service. Um, same service, nothing's different. Um, just, just give you an opportunity to have, to spread out. You could actually on, maybe in some pews or rows, you could lay out and just lay and watch them well, we, we don't we don't advise that. Uh, but, but yeah, there's more space in the 11 o'clock service. And, and so we, we started talking about um, Joshua and Caleb uh, this week, and next week we're going to talk about uh, Rahab. Uh, but uh, Josh, why don't you go ahead and give us a, a little bit of a background of the series? Sure. Yeah, so we're, uh, we're two weeks into the epic series, and uh, we've been basically kind of taking this idea that uh, – that the story of God um, kind of interacting and moving amongst his people and, and his story um, of him at work in and through his people uh, really is an epic story. Uh, and that's the beauty of the Bible. Uh, it kind of lays out this, this story of God uh, and his people. And so we're kind of, uh, we're kind of taking a, a really uh, kind of airplane view overview uh, throughout the Old Testament. And we're joining in with the Israelites uh, in the story, and we're kind of hitting some highlights as we as we journey through with them, and, and we're going to go on for a couple of weeks, and maybe throughout the summer, we'll uh, we're just going to kind of keep on going through this epic adventure um, with this idea again that this isn't just an epic adventure that happened in the past, um, but this is an epic adventure that God invites us to be a part of, uh, and so we we look at how God moved in these epic adventures in the past so that we can say, okay, now what's this epic adventure look like for me to join into? Um, and so that's kind of what we're, what we're doing. And so last week, um, we, we talked about Tabernacle, uh, and Paul preached about uh, what the Tabernacle is, what it means, and kind of this representation of, of God's presence amongst the Israelites. And, and that's not to say that God's presence was physically confined to a Tabernacle, because we know that's not the way that God works. Um, but it was uh, kind of a representation of God's presence. And so as the people of God 
followed God, there the tabernacle was, they were in the midst, in the presence of God. And so kind of talking about how that looks for us with Jesus as our, the presence of God uh, uh, with us through the Holy Spirit. And so, um, so we're, we're moving and we're following and we're walking with God in our midst and, and wherever we go, wherever this epic journey takes us, God is there with us. And, uh, and that's pretty comforting. And so here we are today um, talking about Joshua and Caleb and getting ready to or exploring uh, the promised land. And so that's where we're picking up today. Yeah. And so basically um, at this point in the story, it's been just honestly a matter of months since the Israelites were released from slavery, the parting of the Red Sea, manna in the desert, water from the rock, the Ten Commandments. All of this happens in a very short, compact um, period of time. I think often we think about the Israelites, we think about them wandering in the desert for years and years and years. At this point, none of that has happened. Kind of plan A or what what um, what was expected is that they were going to march through and then um, that God was giving them this promised land. It was not a period, it was not a long time. He wanted them to in, go and inhabit the land right away. Um, so as they're reaching the um, borders of, of Canaan, of this promised land that's been described as a land flowing with milk and honey. I mean, they have really high expectations for this land. Um, God like tells Mary's Moses. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's like Marysville, P land flowing. Picture, yes, picture Marysville. Picture sitting, yeah, just borderlines of border of Marysville. But God tells Moses to pick 12 spies. They wanted to get a good cross-section. So it's, it's a spy from every one of the tribes. Um, and we call, we call them spies. I mean, these were the scouts. These were the ones that were supposed to go in and, and look at the land, bring back a report of what they saw, um, maybe help them to understand what the best place to enter was going to be. I'm sure there was a lot on their shoulders. So these 12 guys go in there. Joshua and Caleb are two of these 12, um, 12 spies. They get into the land and they see that it truly is everything that they have been imagining. It's, it's the, the vineyards, it's the fields, it's everything that they need to, um, for their whole society, their whole culture to, to inhabit and to sustain them. Um, and so we don't dispute, they all saw it as very good land. I mean, this, this, was, this was good news. Um, where the story takes a little bit of a turn, though, is that um, they also realize that the land isn't empty. God isn't taking them to an empty land. The land has some inhabitants already, and they are some scary-looking guys. There's, um, they talk of them as giants. They talk of the fortified cities, the walls, all of these things that are, are looking like obstacles to them. And so as they come back to share what they've found, they even bring back, they said they bring back um, a cluster of grapes that it takes two guys to hold. I mean, like, there is so much plenty and bounty in this land. So they're coming back to share this. And... Um, they kind of are divided in their opinions about what maybe to do next. There's 10 of them that are like, yeah, it's great, but there's no way, no way that we can, we can enter it. We will be wiped out. And they start to grumble. Like, how could you bring us here? How could you do this to us? Basically, you should have either left us in Egypt or you should have let us die in the wilderness. I mean, like they are, they cannot believe that this is what, what's going to happen next. And Joshua and Caleb end up being kind of the heroes in this story where they stand up against those 10 other voices and say, like, that's true. Those people are there. Those fortified cities are there. But like God's with us. This is, this is what he has told us to do. And so there's an element we need to, we need to walk in faith in that. And ultimately they get voted down to the extent where the people even are wanting to stone them. I mean, they, they did not have a popular opinion. Dissenters were not, uh, that was not invited into this. Um, so 
um, ultimately out of this comes that, that period of wandering in the desert. God, um, he talks and says that this group of people, um, if, if you aren't, if you aren't willing to walk into this, um, I'm, I'm not leaving you, but it's going to take a little bit longer. This generation, um, this generation that's only known being slaves, um, this is not going to be the generation that enters into the promised land with the exception of Joshua and Caleb. So kind of a, a roller coaster of a story, um, but this is what really leads into that period of wilderness. What we really think of as Israelites in the desert, just the wandering and wandering, that all starts kind of from this moment. So, so what do you guys, what do you take from the story? What are some big takeaways that you have? Well, I love the, the, the sermon on, on perspective and, uh, and, and Mara, your, your kind of next gen moment is this, this idea of perspective and, uh, and, you know, there the two different perspectives represented, um, uh, amongst Joshua and Caleb versus the other, the other 10, how each had a different perspective. And then I, I'm not just, I'm not just bragging on you, Paul, because you're my boss and, uh, and, and you're going to give me a raise. Um, but, <laughs> uh, but seriously, the, the, the tie in with Ezekiel and, and the dry bones, uh, I thought was, was awesome. And, uh, and, and just this idea of perspective. I just tied that in so we could do the song. <laughs> Pick a song and then make your sermon fit, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's great. No, but, uh, but, but seriously, it, it was, it was good and I loved it. Um, and, and so what, um, what I've been thinking, what I was saying when you were preaching that, and I can kind of been thinking since, uh, since you preached that is, is, is actually a question that you had in your notes here is, is what does it mean to have right perspective? What is the right perspective? And I think we talked, you know, having a godly perspective, having an eternal perspective, uh, maybe even having a positive perspective, um, and, and, and wondering what that is. And I wonder, um, and maybe this needs more explanation on my, on my thinking, like, are there two different extremes on what we think of as, as different perspectives? And maybe should we be just about knocking my microphone over? Should we be somewhere in, I'm using my hands too much. Um, should we maybe be more somewhere uh, in the middle? Um, here's, here's where, I, where I'm thinking this. Um, I'm wondering if sometimes I'm tempted to think if I have the godly eternal perspective on something, whatever that something is, if my initial thought or reaction or temptation is to automatically paint that perspective or, or assume that perspective of everything is good. Uh, as the Jamaicans would say, everything is irie. Everything is good. It's all good. Um, and I don't think that that's necessarily what a godly eternal perspective is. And, uh, and I think Paul, your sermon beautifully portrayed that. Um, so tying this back to Joshua and Caleb, um, what they did not do is they never disagreed with the other 10. They never said, no, no, this is all milk and milk and honey. And so it, it's good. And we're just going to go in. There was that moment of acknowledgement that yes, it is difficult and it is tough and it's going to be hard, but God is with us mm -hmm. as we go forward there. So I, that, that's just my initial thought on, on perspective. And I don't know if you guys want to Jump no, that, um, yeah, that was making me think. I watched a video about probably last week, and honestly, it was almost one of those clickbait things. And it was like the problem with positivity, and I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Like, positivity is one of my top five, like in strength finders. I, I mean, to oh, to a no fault. Way. No I mean, way. I know, I know. It's really hard to believe, 
but I mean, to a fault. And I mean, I've caught myself literally, I mean, lying to myself and others. I, I, I mean that lying saying it's okay. Everything's fine. It's going to be fine. It's okay. Like, and that is, that's what positivity looks like. Positivity sometimes looks like, like literally lying to yourself, <laughs> disregarding what you, what's, what you're actually seeing. Um, and then I was like, okay, well, how is that? How is that a problem? I mean, it's good to be positive. It's good to, and then they contrasted it with the idea of optimism. And that optimism is not a, um, a disregarding of your circumstances, but a hoping that they will get better. And so like, I don't, I don't get anywhere just by saying, this is okay, everything's fine, it's good. But I can say, ooh, this is not good, but I hope for it to be better. And like when we talk about our hope being rooted in Jesus and in Christ, and we have a firm foundation for that hope and that we don't have to get bogged down by things that are wrong. We don't ignore them, but like that we can hope and know that things can and will be better. That's right. Um, so that's kind of where I see uh, that Joshua and Caleb, they didn't say you're lying. Everything's fine. They just had a hope and a trust that was bigger than, than that obstacle. F false on optimism is dishonesty too. That, that's a dishonest <laughs> thing too. So when you're, when you're, and, and I always think about there was a, um, <laughs> a, a special guest on the podcast, you know, when anybody, anybody's hurt in sports, people will ask him, are you okay? And I, you know, a bone could be sticking out and most guys will say, yeah, I'm fine. And I'll never forget when I was in junior high, there's a guy that's playing church basketball and ran into a wall and they asked him, they said, Clark, are you okay? And he said, no. <laughs> and it was the funniest <laughs> thing because I'd never heard anybody say, no, I'm not okay. And he had, he had broke his arm. And so, yeah, false optimism is, is deception. I mean, let's, let's call it what it is. And, and so when things are hard, it had been deceptive and a lie for Joshua and Caleb to say, no, it's cake. This is easy. Yeah. It's ours. No, no struggle. And so, you know, positive thinking that is a false assessment of your circumstances is self-deception, self-delusion. Yeah. So. I think though we, <laughs> it's the temptation. If we can tie it to um, just current events, because it's culture that we're, it's, that's what we're living in. Um, I think that there may be an element of this uh, in, in terms of uh, racial injustices where we as the church for too long have thought, man, everything is good. It, it's all good. And so we've just kind of, um, we've not done the work that is necessary. Um, but, but man, you look at the, you look at the example of scripture, like all throughout scripture, there is lament in scripture. I mean, there's a book called Lamentations, right? Um, there, Psalms are full of lament. I think it's like 40% of the Psalms are lament. And I think that maybe that's something that we don't do very well uh, <clears throat> today in, in our, in our culture of Christianity. We don't, we don't take the time to acknowledge uh, or to lament what is wrong and what is broken and what is um, where we're missing the mark. Um, and so I think that leads us then to that idea of uh, everything's good. And if everything's good, then nothing gets fixed, right? <laughs> broken things don't get fixed. Um, and, and you so, don't acknowledge who can fix it. I mean, in sure, lament, yeah. there is an acknowledgement that we, we lack something. Yeah, that we need something. So lament is an important thing. If we never lack, if we never worry, if we never hurt, then where's, do we need God? Yeah, 
which can lead us to another extreme, right? One extreme is this like, just everything is good, everything's great, rainbows and butterflies and all is good. But the opposite extreme of that is that everything is broken and all hope is lost and it's just, it's the way it is. Like this sucks and I'm lamenting it and it's just, and so that's where this idea of, and I think we see it in the story of Joshua and Caleb, I think we see it in the story of Ezekiel and the dry bones. Like um, at some point in, uh, in Ezekiel's vision, like there was that realization that dry bones meant death, right? And, and so the 33 or whatever chapters leading up to that are about like what led to this death. Um, and so there's that moment of acknowledging it. But the beauty of, of, our, of our faith is that calling forward and looking forward to that, that hope. There's a, the next book on my list is called Prophetic Lament. And I just, I haven't read it yet, but just the title of it just yeah. excites me because it's that lament that acknowledgement that this is not right, this is not good, but that prophetic of calling forward the way that God wants it to be um, is so important. You see anything, Mara? What was you? What was what was appealing yeah. to you, or what came out of the passage? No, I feel like as I was reading it, I had that old saying come kind of like you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink, and um, <laughs> just this idea of um realizing as we look back in the story so much of um so much of the miraculous things that they had experienced at this time they had kind of experienced passively i mean they were released from slavery they did not have to fight the egyptians for their freedom i mean god moved and worked and brought them out of slavery god parted the red sea for them he provided manna quail all of those things that they were just the recipients of these miraculous signs and wonders and um I feel like as they were standing on the brink of entering the promised land, this was maybe the first time that for them to, to see God moving miraculously was going to maybe require some effort, some risk, some um, sacrifice on their part. And so part of me wonders if that is, um, if that's really where the, the fear kind of took over for them. Cause I think it's easy to go back. How, I mean, we sang that song, like since when has impossible ever stopped you? I mean, these, they've seen him do impossible things over and over again. I mean, like rapid fire, how could you even process all of them? But then all of a sudden this was maybe a little more of their skin in the game and um, seemed like a little more impossible than some of the other impossible things that had already happened. You know, that's, and that's interesting because I believe, I can't think of any other time before this where God has said, okay, I want you to send 12, so you have to see what you have to do. <laughs> and, and so God, God puts this, them in this place where they have to see the task. Uh, you know, where typically God has just let them, okay, here's the fire, we follow this, here's the Red Sea, we're at it, when God parts it, you go through. And so God, God instead of, of just um, leading them into the promised land, leading them over the Jordan, God says, I'm going to send 12 of you so you can see what the task is, um, which is an interesting thing to me. I'd never really thought about that before. Yeah, I hadn't either, but it, it, I mean, it just, Yeah seeing that there is a a cost like there there is work to be done is because again not seeing that and not admitting that leads to this false sense that you know god's just going to take care of everything <laughs> like um and and that can play out in, in things that we see today well you know god's just going to take care of it all and i'm just going to sit back and watch um but over and over 
God invites us to join in in that, and it comes with a cost. <laughs> it's not, yeah. I love the phrase, Mara. I think you said skin in the game. Uh, to follow Jesus means we have skin in the game. Uh, you know, this is, this is not an exit strategy. This is, a, this is a missional strategy. God has called his church to be active participants in, in, in ways. To, even the scripture, Ezekiel, and, and I, I try to, who's the, the pastor of Mosaic? I heard him preach on this passage. And the yeah. interesting thing is God doesn't just have the dry bones develop flesh and tendons and rise up. What's he do? He says, son of man, prophesy yeah. to the dry bones there, there's a part for him to play even in seeing the vision so there's a part for us in this that yeah. and, and god wanted them to see that they were going to have a part in this and when they saw their part they said never mind um <laughs> you know I, I guess practically i wonder um is there a is there something god has called as someone that's listening to this to, and you've seen what it's going to cost and you've said well never mind well, we forego a lot of blessings when we say never mind to God. Um, that's good, Mara, Josh, good. both those, uh, you know, perspective, um, you know, just, just uh, the, the necessity of seeing, you know, what really has been stri striking to me is, is number one, <laughs> all of these guys, not everybody, I believe universally didn't want to go into the promised land. Majority didn't. But, but God didn't divide them and say, okay, those of you who are willing to follow, let's go. You know, because God didn't need them all, right? <laughs> God made the walls of Jericho just fall down. So God could have done it with a few. God didn't take the few and go into the promised land. Instead, all of them wondered. Um, even the ones with good perspective. And, and so I guess, you know, what, what I keep thinking is, um, how is my perspective affecting someone else? <laughs> you, you know, am, am I holding someone back? Because this is about community, right? This is about a group of people. God, God is inviting us to be a part of a group of people that he's saving. And, and, and so we're, we're not in this as silos. We're not in this by ourselves. We're in this together. And, you know, my attitude not only affects me, but it affects everybody uh, that is part of the body. So, you know, we, we have an effect. Um, mm -hmm. I yeah, and I kind of think as they wandered in the desert, it's almost like he was reshaping and reforming their, their group identity, their cultural, their community um, ties to each other. Because you're right, it could have easily been a, um, a divide. They could have had two factions, one here, one there. And it almost seems like he was remaking the whole of Israel in that time that they spent in the wilderness. And so that wilderness was necessary. I mean, for them to maintain their, their unity, I think, in a way, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Necessary, but not necessary, but not necessarily God's intention, right? Um, I don't know. What's that? I don't know. Well, I mean, so then you get into that idea of, you know, did God cause them to have that perspective so that they would have to go into the wilderness? Well, I don't know. I, I guess, <laughs> I don't know. Did God know, understand what their perspective would be and understand also that they needed to be reshaped? And uh, I, I personally, I, I don't believe that the slaves could have been reshaped uh, 
aside for the wilderness wanderings. I, I think the wilderness wanderings were necessary for them to get to the point where they could possess the land. And, um, and, I, and I think that may have been because when Joshua goes into the promised land, I don't, yeah, he sends spies again, but, but it's a different, it, it just feels different uh, than these spies. Um, you know, they, be, it just feels like, okay, we're going in. <laughs> and, and, you know, this isn't, this isn't a um, election, we're just going in. And so I think, you know, the wilderness was necessary for them to be the people God needed them to be. Um, yeah. I, I, I totally agree with that. And I wasn't, I wasn't disagreeing with, with that. I was just, I, I, I don't, I don't know that I want to say that God caused them to have different opinions on the, and perspectives on, on going in there. But that's, that's what I was saying. But yeah, absolutely. That, that but it was like the necessary next step based on, based on that, those decisions. Yeah. And, and sure. even, in, even in that wilderness and even, even in that moment um, that, you know, let, let, let's call that a trial moment. Um, a testing, a, um, a crisis moment. Uh, the, the crisis moment followed by the wilderness was making them suitable to be fully the people God intended them to be. And so it's, it's easy when you look back at the children of Israel and say, okay, there's these crisis moments. <laughs> uh, you know, there's a crisis moment in their life, but what about the crisis moments in our life? Uh, you know, could, could those times of what we perceive as failure be times when God is just moving us further down the road. Uh, that, that, you know, nobody wants to be in the wilderness, uh, but if God can use the wilderness to get me where I need to go, God give me the wilderness. <laughs> you know, I want, I want to be where God wants me to be. And, uh, and sometimes I don't think you get there without the wilderness. I don't think these slaves become, become a conquering army, if you will, uh, without the wilderness experience. I think to that extent, they then also um, didn't waste their wilderness experience. I mean, they didn't just sit and wander. I mean, like that was a time of anticipation, preparation. Um, they were in effect raising up an another generation to know like, this is, this is what's going to happen next. This is, right. um, they even had a time frame, which wouldn't that be nice sometimes when we're in the wilderness to know, to know when, when it's going to end. Yes. Um, but yeah, they didn't just use that time passively. And um, I feel like they did honor that, that it was a time of preparation. Yeah. What other things you guys see? I mean, we kind of skipped over it um, when I was telling the story, but there was a group of people after they found out that um, God had said, you're going to wander for 40 years that did in effect say, oh, no, 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 never mind. We're going to try and, and do it. Like they tried to change their mind and it was disastrous. And I don't know, for me, like that, that resonates the times when I'm like, I know I've messed up and I try to fix it in my own strength. I try to fix it my own way. I try to make it better and, and kind of have made things worse. And um, I know that's just kind of a little footnote in there, but I do think it's interesting. There was that group that experienced that extreme regret and, and tried to do it anyway. And um, kind of interesting, the moment had passed. That was not, that was not gonna, gonna work. That is funny. I, I'd forgotten that too. Yeah. It's like, what are you guys doing? 
<laughs> that kind of seems like my kids sometimes I'm like, okay, okay, never mind, never mind. I'll do it. I'll do what I do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you're a parent, then you, you know, yeah. You know, uh, you, your kids have done that, right? You're like, oh, never mind. I'll change it now. It's, it's, <laughs> right. it's, it's you can't really blame them. They just got disqualified from the promised land, so yeah, here they are backpedaling. <laughs> yeah, well, this is um, you know, it's definitely <laughs> it does demonstrate that there needed to be change in perspective, and and I think the wilderness changed that perspective. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I guess the question is, how do we change our perspectives? Uh, I mean, I think we've kind of bounced around that, but what are some practical ways? Um, that you guys adjust your perspective. Mara, you're always up most of the time. Right? Oh yeah, for the most part, you know things are getting really bad when I'm like, I'm feeling chinks in my positivity. Yeah, yeah when Mara's <laughs> not positive, we know we're in trouble. And, uh, and you know, I think Josh and I are, I, I don't consider myself a negative person. Um, I, I tend to be a positive person, but, but there's times where I have to adjust my perspective. Um, yeah. How do you do it? How do you adjust your perspective? I think listening to others who have different perspectives um, is is ideal. Um, and so, uh, again, this is this is very practical and relevant right now. Um, I've kind of been on this journey for I don't know three four years where I've intentionally kind of tried to diversify who I'm listening to what I'm reading. Um, so very practically, that looks like I've drastically increased like um, what I'm taking in from persons of color because um, I want to be able to change my perspective. Um, it's one thing for me to sit here and say that, that this is the way it is. Um, I want to be able to see how, how, how it is from someone else's perspective. And so that's just something very practically that I have tried to do over the past few years is just what is the world like for someone who's different than me um and and the temptation there is to then say okay i see that but then i'm going to disagree with that because everything is good for me but to to value the experience and the and the perspective of of someone else um i just think that we have to we have to we have to vary our uh, what we're what we're taking in the, the perspectives that we're willing to see and listen to because the truth is is that I can't change my perspective in the way that like the way that I'm experiencing thing I, I don't know that I want to say I can't um, but the way that I'm living life is like it is it it's set up a certain way and so I have to be intentional to listen to people who who experience things different. Um, it's not just going to happen by me listening and, and following people who are just like me all the time. Does that make sense? I know I just yeah. rambled on there, but that's just a very practical thing that I've done to try to change my perspective. And listening's the key word there, not judging, not shifting yeah. perspectives. That, yeah. that we're listening to the perspectives with the ideal that we're willing to shift our perspective. That's why James yeah. talks about the importance of mm -hmm. listening. That, yeah. that, you know, that, and I think it's Paul Tillich that says the first act of love is listening. And so the first thing the church has to do in response to, to what's going on is we have to listen. And yeah. it's not just listen to our own perspective and listen to people that, that have the same perspective, but listen to people from other perspectives. And that, that's, that's a good way. That's good. It just reminded me, Paul, when you said, Chelsea and I, uh, um, a couple months ago, we 
taken a, a foster care training that we, we had to take and it was called cultural humility and uh and they were kind of painting this difference of cultural competence versus cultural humility and so what we've what we've done for a long time is this idea of cultural competence so okay i've done the work to learn about another culture and so naturally what i what i like my inclination there would be oh, so i'm culturally competent so i'm now going to take my competence and insert it into that culture as someone who can help like who who has the answer like i get you and so this is what we're going to do as opposed to this idea of cultural humility where i'm just going to i'm going to dive in and i'm going to listen because i know that i don't have the same experiences and then i don't have the answers as well and so just that idea of of listening with humility not listening so that i can then insert my ideas of the way things should be but truly which is what we do it's, it's easier to do that right yeah. but truly listening with humility that that's the i've heard that phrase before that some people don't listen they just they're, they're just waiting for their opportunity to talk yeah waiting to respond it's it's just a it's just that time i have to wait until i get to say something else and and we do that culturally with perspectives that that okay we'll listen to you so we can tell you what to do yeah yeah mara yeah i feel like right now i'm finding a lot of um, value in in kind of listening to um to the dissenting voices listening to the people who um are saying things that at face value like just raise up like oh, i just i disagree with that like but i'm really trying to press into um, some of those responses when somebody says something or posts something or and I immediately have a response to it I'm really trying to um, to understand my response a little bit more and understand where is that coming from is that coming from um, that it hurt it hurts me or it offends me is it coming from that it just challenges something that I that I thought or that I didn't know um, and I agree, unless we are hearing lots of different perspectives, we can be um, tricked to think that just because a lot of the people around me think like I do, that that is how everybody thinks. And so then it becomes very striking when you encounter that. So I am not one for confrontation like that, Whew. but I'm learning to, um, to see the value in disagreeing and in, in discussing disagreements. And um, for me, I sometimes find that one of the most helpful things I do is, is journaling. Like when I'm just stuck thinking about something and it's a very private thing, I'm not sharing my thoughts with the whole world, but sometimes I'll just start to write down all of the reasons why something is bothering me. What about this? What about this? And I'm not putting that out there. I'm not putting that out for other people to engage with, but it's interesting to me sometimes to see how my ideas kind of develop I keep them to myself a lot, but how they just kind of develop. And I realized that a question that I, that I had about something as I was willing to listen more, I, I understood it better. And I, I could do that without, without arguing with anybody. And um, so sometimes I think about like, when we talk about the church showing love, I think we need to um, understand like all of the facets of that. That's it's patience, it's kindness, but it's also not keeping a record of wrong. It's not delighting in evil. And I think for me, when I think about my perspective, I try to be really cognizant of, of the, um, the arguments that I'm participating in, the ones that I'm not, and where I'm kind of finding the balance in, in hearing both sides, understanding both sides, um, and, and giving value to both. Yeah, that's good. You know, I, I'm always, and I don't know what it is in this, <laughs> uh, what, what I see is there's a lot of um, 
dialogue that's on opposite ends. I, I don't see, you know, and, and I don't think the answer here is compromise. I think the answer is, and I don't know what it is, I think the answer is somewhere in Jesus' third way. And I, I think there's something that God has in mind that's beyond and above simply um, compromising. Um, I, I personally think it's reconciliation. I, I, I don't think we've reconciled. I, I don't think there's a reconciliation between uh, the races. I think there's still division. And, uh, and, and so we've settled um, for everybody having equal rights. And, and I do think people have equal rights, even though there may be systemic issues. Um, but, but God has called us to be agents of reconciliation. Uh, it's so hard to do. I mean, it, let, let's, let's just face it where we're at. Uh, probably we reflect the demographics of our community. Um, and so that's a difficult thing. Um, and, you know, I, I, I don't know what the answer is. I just know it's, it's not just, Hey, let's stand at opposite ends and yell at each other real loud until one side wins. So anyhow. yeah. Yeah. I think there's a finding the, the tension in the middle and, and a, the way of, of love. I mean, the way of Jesus in that, where you can, you can absolutely abhor two things at the same time, but love that person. You can support two different people who think completely differently and that that actually is loving both of them. Like they, to love one person does not equate not loving the other. And I don't think we spend a lot of time in that tension and we don't give each other that grace. Like I know for myself, well, yes, I can do this. I can do this. But as soon as I see someone else, then I forget that I ride that tension all the time that I, I understand that I can think almost two different ways about the same thing at any different time. And we don't give each other the grace and the, the space to do that. It's funny you talk about, I saw a post and it said, you had love God, love your neighbor, love your family, love your, you know, all the love, love your enemy. <laughs> and, and then it said at the end of it, you know, there's not a lot of room in there, is there? <laughs> it's just got to love, you got to love everybody. And uh, not seeing a lot of that, unfortunately, uh, you know, I'm not seeing a lot of love. And so, you know, the, the church, the church has to be better. We, we let, let's just face it, we have, we have to do better uh, on all these issues and uh and when i say the church we <laughs> uh, as pastors as leaders as as congregants as people listening to this folks we have to do better and uh we we have to to long to do better uh, you know we have to have this i think that is a perspective it's not going to be easy <laughs> it's going to be hard uh but we're not going to shy away from it we're going to we're going to move forward what other giveaways or takeaways? Giveaways, takeaways, <laughs> slipaways. <laughs> yeah, I'll say this. You know, we, we were going to do this podcast at the church. And so uh, we were going to, and, and then we had something that came up. So we had to do it by Zoom instead. We're, we're still trying to get back to the church, doing a lot more things. And so this will be the first podcast that I've been here with long pants on. And so, uh, uh, you know, I actually dressed up like I normally would. And so it's just not a polo shirt with like uh, um, uh, athletic shorts. This is the real deal. I, I'm really dressed for the podcast. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes, so, no, and I will take full blame for having the sick oh, kid. No. And the positivity of me was like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And, and my husband was the voice of like, uh so so yes that's it's on me <laughs> that's okay that's okay i i purposefully didn't say 
what it was because <laughs> I didn't want you to feel guilty. There's no guilt. <laughs> um, All right. Well, unless there's some other something else you guys want to interject, I think we can close in prayer here pretty quick. I was just gonna. I was just gonna say because just in terms of uh, our teens and our, our younger generations, um, I am extremely hopeful um, that our younger generation is seeing with the right perspective that they are seeing that things are not okay and they're seeing it in a way that is calling them forward uh, calling them to that prophetic part of that where um, they're seeing that this is not okay and they're calling they're looking forward they're they're willing and wanting to do something about it and so as a youth pastor and as a dad uh, I am extremely hopeful um, and I know that we may not always agree with methods or, or techniques and, and things like that, but I am extremely hopeful. Uh, and so I would just, I just want to <clears throat> end with a, uh, encouragement to, uh, to our young people, um, to remember this idea And this, again, this has been a theme for several weeks that we've been doing this is that as we move forward and as you lead us as young people, that God goes with us. Uh, and so as we move forward, as we, as we have a godly and eternal perspective, that part of that perspective is that realization and that rec recognition that God is with us as we, as we move forward. Can I alter that statement just a little bit? Absolutely. As we move forward, instead of God moving with us, won't we move with God? Yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause I think, and I'm not saying that you say this, but I think what Absolutely. often happens is we move in a direction and justify it sure. by trying to convince people that God's with us. Let's sure. find the way God's moving and just follow him. <laughs> be a lot easier. Definitely. Definitely. Mar, anything? Yeah, Go ahead. Now, I was just, as you were saying that, I was thinking it's, he's calling us out of comfortable. I mean, like he's the Israelites where I think they stumbled is that he was calling them out of, yeah, they're camping in the wilderness. I mean, it's not ideal, but it's, it's comfortable. And he was calling them into something new. And I think sometimes when we want, when we want God to move with us, we want him to kind of hang out where we're, where we're good, where we're comfortable. And mm -hmm. when we move with him, um, we're going to see that it's, it, it's not, it's not going to stay comfortable. It's not going to be easy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've never even thought about that. You know, there, there may have been some element of that, you know, they, they had been slaves. They had been working like crazy. Now they're in the wilderness. They're, you know, they're sleeping in tents, but, you know, come on. Who, who doesn't like sleeping in tents? I mean, that's like recreation. People vacation to sleep in tents. God's given them the food they need. He's taking care of them. You know, they're just, you know, it's with their family. They're like, it's, it's like uh, the COVID-19 quarantine. We're sitting having dinner with our families every night, enjoying just being with each other. And, and now God's saying, no, now you need to get to work. And, and so maybe there's a bit of that. I don't want to go to work. Basically, you're saying like they're glamping, Old Testament style. Glamping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, glamping. Uh, and so uh, that's right. That's the first time I think that anybody's talked about the, Egypt, or the Israelites wandering in the wilderness was glamping. But uh, we'll, we'll leave it at that. I think that's a good way to end. So we should have called this series instead of epic. It should have been glamping with the Israelites. Glamping with the Israelites. That's right. Oh, Lord. Help us. All right. Well, I'm going to close this out in prayer. And, um, and uh, we'll see you guys uh, next week. Uh, let's pray. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to gather around your scripture and just have a conversation. We, we pray, Lord, that um, 
this won't be the end of the conversation. We, we truly do this, Lord, uh, with the hope that as people listen, uh, it'll strike further conversation. Uh, you are worthy of filling our times and filling our conversations. So Lord, help us not just to listen and be passive, but Lord, to listen and be active and, um, and further this conversation in our homes with our friends, in our neighborhoods, at work. And Lord, may you be uh, glorified in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. See you, folks.